Welcome to Healthy Habits, Happy Homes with the Guelph Family Health Study, where we share research and practical tips for applying it to your own family. Each week, we'll bring you evidence-based health information from experts. Our quick tips will help you create healthy habits for a happy home. Welcome back, everyone, to Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. This is Angela. And this is Lisa. And today we are welcoming Jesse Burns. Jesse is a PhD candidate with the Department of Human Health and Nutritional Sciences. And Jesse's research focuses on omega 3 fatty acids and health. So, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I just thought maybe we could start off by telling everyone what omega 3 fatty acids are. Okay, well, hi, Angela and Lisa, and thanks for having me. So omega-3 fatty acids are a type of polyunsaturated fatty acids that people often refer to as good fats. And they're found in some plant sources, like some seeds and nuts, as well as fish and seafood sources. So what makes these omega-3 fatty acids so important to health? So omega-3 fatty acids have actually been identified as one of the top nutrients that are lacking in our diet. And insufficient levels of omega-3s in the diet have been identified as leading risk factors for all-cause mortality from preventable diseases. So this puts them up alongside smoking, high blood pressure, and obesity. And we also know that omega-3 fatty acids are especially critical during early life and early development, starting from inside the womb leading into the preschool years. Uh, and this is this just means that they're necessary in order to promote optimal development and long-term health. Okay, so in North America right now, are we not getting enough omega-3 fatty acids? So the typical North American diet provides about one to two grams of omega-3s from plant-based sources. So this is called ALA or alpha-linolenic acid. And we're getting about 100 to 150 milligrams of EPA and DHA, which are omega-3s from seafood sources. So it's been suggested that we should actually be consuming a minimum of 430 milligrams of EPA and DHA in children and 650 milligrams of EPA plus DHA for adults. And this sounds like a lot, but what it really translates into is just two to three servings of fish per week. That said, individuals who are at higher risk for things like cardiovascular disease may be recommended to consume upwards of 1,000 milligrams or one gram of EPA plus DHA per day. So thank you so much, Jesse. You mentioned um, fish as being a source, and I think you also mentioned nuts as well. Um, and so for the parents listening out there whose kids maybe don't like fish or, or allergic to nuts, what are some uh, other sources of omega-3s? So as you mentioned, the main sources of omega-3s are uh, largely from seafood. There are two types of omega-3s, those found in plants, uh, such as ALA, which I mentioned earlier, and those found in fish and seafood sources like EPA and DHA. A really good source of plant-based omega-3s is flaxseed. So whether that's ground flaxseed or whole flaxseeds, that can be a good source of ALA. Something that anyone who has a nut allergy can also have. So it sounds like flaxseed, ground flaxseed, or the flaxseed oils might be good alternatives to nuts or fish if, you know, your children don't like them or, you know, there's a a nut allergy within the home. Yes, definitely. Um, That said, if you can eat 
seafood and fish sources of omega-3s. The majority of our research to date suggests that most of the known benefits of omega-3 fatty acids are attributed to EPA and DHA, which are those ones that come from seafood sources. And so can you give us an idea of which seafood sources are highest in omega-3s? So what you're going to want to look for is really fatty fish. So probably the best and most common source that people enjoy uh, from seafood sources is salmon. And that's available in uh, whether it's canned salmon, smoked salmon, or just nice salmon done in the oven or on the barbecue. So I personally love salmon, but I know not everyone is a fan. So what other fishes have good amounts of omega-3 fatty acids? So some other examples include fish such as mackerel or sardines or some other common ones. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that tuna it, it, or tuna steaks are a good source of omega-3 fatty acids. Yes, but we'd want to um, not consume them if we're pregnant just due to the mercury levels in, in those fish. Or or um, the flaked tuna is a good option, but that's not super high in omega-3. Mm-hmm. So, Jesse, I'm wondering what your recommendations would be for someone who is A, vegetarian, or B, vegan, if they are not including fish as part of their diet. Are there other ways that they could get omega-3 fatty acids? And I know you mentioned fish does have the most optimal source of EPA and DHA. So, to get those EPA and DHA omega-3 fatty acids... For vegetarians, there's a really great option of omega-3 eggs that you see in the grocery stores, which are a really great source of EPA and DHA. So tell me more about those Tell me more about those eggs. Are they fortified with the omega-3 fatty acids? So the way we get those eggs actually is by feeding the chickens flaxseed, which is high in the plant-based source of omega-3s. And through some of the metabolic pathways that chickens have, and we also have those, but ours aren't quite as good or as efficient at doing that, Um, the chickens can actually convert that ALA into EPA and DHA, which then ends up in their eggs. Oh, very interesting. So how about vegans? So for vegans, um, the option is to eat what the fish eat. Um, (laughs) Vegans can get a source of EPA and DHA from algae. Yeah, and I know there are quite a few supplements out there for algae uh, or different food-based products as well that are available on the market. So when we go into families' homes, sometimes they talk about it being very difficult to get their kids to eat fish or seafood because for for kids it might be a strong flavor or or for whatever the reason might be, but it can be a struggle to get kids to eat um, fish and seafood. So what what would you recommend as a way we can get those omega-3s? So this is absolutely understandable. I didn't like fish or seafood as a kid. Uh, In fact, lots of North American kids don't seem to enjoy eating fish or seafood. So one study out of the United States found that 84% of children consume less than one serving of fish or seafood per week. So there are some creative ways to get fish into your child's diet. Um, Sometimes this includes putting salmon, either smoked or canned, on homemade pizzas or making sandwiches like tuna melts. And then for some kids, this might not be an option at all, so then you can resort back to those omega-3 eggs that I mentioned with the EPA and DHA fortification. And there are also some really cool omega-3 supplements for children. 
that aren't those huge fishy smelling capsules. They can come in the form of some fruit gummies. Thanks, Jesse. Those are some really great suggestions. And I mean, I'm a fan of tuna melts. I like cheese on anything. So that's <laughs> always a good way to mask some of the fishy flavor. Uh, Catherine, who was the previous host of our Healthy Habits, Happy Homes podcast, told me a funny story that has always stuck with me. So her parents used to trick her into eating fish by calling it chicken of the sea. And for the longest time, that's how she ate fish. So and there, you, there's funny ways around it sometimes. And you actually mentioned that you didn't like fish, and now you've built your career around it. So I'm just wondering <laughs> I'm wondering if, if uh, some of these tips you gave were something that your parents did with you that might have worked. So that is an awesome and valid point. Um, I think my exposure to fish and seafood started with smothering shrimp with seafood sauce and smothering fried fish sticks with tartar sauce. And then eventually I just grew to like it more and more. Um, I think it's also, I think it's kind of about exposure. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe removing a one teaspoon of tartar sauce yeah. at a time until eventually it's just the fish. Yeah. 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 And I think as, as dietitians, when we're talking about fussy eaters, we are often talking about that repeated exposure uh, strategy, right? right? So keep offering the food. You might be surprised they they enjoy it or decide to to try it at some point. Right. And actually a lot of families have said to me what's worked for them is actually adding a dipping sauce to something that the kids don't typically like. Because even if the kids don't like the food item, they may like the process of dipping. And that's really helped um, a lot of families uh, with the Guelph Family Health Study, but also outside of the Guelph Family Health Study. They've mentioned that adding something to dip with was always helpful, whether it be veggies and and maybe fish sticks. That was definitely my experience. And we mentioned uh, for vegetarians or a plant-based source, flaxseed or ground flaxseed being a really good option. Do you have any suggestions on how to incorporate that into your diet more regularly or any ideas around that for kids? So personally, what I do at home is I always have a container of flaxseed at home and I sprinkle it on, I want to say everything, but that's probably an exaggeration, but If I'm having toast with peanut butter, I sprinkle some flaxseed on top. If I'm having oatmeal, I sprinkle some flaxseed in there. Um, If I'm baking bread, lots of flaxseed goes in there. And those are just kind of some things, some ways that I incorporate it into my diet. Mm -hmm. Smoothies are one way I've incorporated into my diet and actually my kids' diet. If I mix um, flaxseed into their smoothie and just blend it all together, that's been one way I could increase I've increased their omega-3s. Awesome. That's how my husband gets his. And I think when it's ground, it's so easy to add into like baked Mm -hmm. goods. You Mm -hmm. can even put a little bit in apple sauces, like things that it won't really throw off the texture as long as you're not putting, you know, a quarter cup in the the little container of applesauce. But uh, easy to kind of sneak some of that into, into foods. So we came up with a lot of really great tips for families. So thank you for that, Jesse. Um, tell us a little bit more about your research. So what my research is looking at, specifically with the Guelph Family Health Study, is examining the dietary intakes of these omega-3 fatty acids in the preschool-aged kids that are part of the Guelph Family Health Study and just seeing whether or not they're meeting the recommendations for these good fats and hopefully long-term we'll be able to determine 
what the contribution is of these omega-3 fatty acids to long-term health and overall development as they get older. Would you say right now that there isn't a whole lot of research looking at children and young children specifically and their omega-3 intake? Absolutely, especially in this preschool age range. Um, there's, and especially not in Canada, there's, I think, one or two other studies that looked at this, but the most recent one was, I believe, 14 years ago. Wow. So we really need some updated data. Are you hoping to have um, this data to help support recommendations around omega-3s? Yes, absolutely. I think if we can identify it and identify whether or not it is a problem and something that needs to be addressed, then we can really use that information to push forward to increase people's intake and awareness about eating omega-3s. And I know you mentioned earlier that omega-3s play a critical role in cognitive development. Do you think this is, I know it's, you know, important during pregnancy for mom, but do you think as kids are in that preschool age range, the omega-3s still play a critical role in that? Absolutely, um, especially the omega-3 from seafood sources, DHA, that we mentioned. As long as the brain is developing, that is absolutely going to be, be benefiting uh, individuals, kids specifically. But adults should be having it as well. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so can you remind us a little bit about the health benefits of omega-3s for adults? Sure. So there are a ton of benefits that have been found in the research, some of them centering around maintaining cognitive health and preventing cognitive decline as we get older, and others around preventing and actually helping to manage cardiovascular disease. And there's also a lot of research going into examining the role of omega-3s in preventing inflammation which can often be a precursor for a lot of other chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease, as I mentioned, and some certain types of cancers. And I've heard, correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, that there tends to be an imbalance in our diet in terms of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, and that's where a lot of the issues come from. Yes, definitely. So this has kind of been the story for a long time now. Um, a lot of people have turned this into demonizing omega-6s and saying that they're bad for you, but the reality is is that they are equally as important as omega-3s. We need them in our diet in order to grow and develop and function regularly, and the problem lies in not getting enough omega-3s, therefore throwing off the balance of omega-3s to omega-6s in our diet. Mm -hmm. And would you say, you know, Prehistorically, we, we got more omega-3s than we are now. Has there been a, a, a major shift in our food system? There's definitely been a huge shift in the amount of omega-6s that are in our food in the past probably 100 years or so with farming processes as well as food processing and packaging. So it sounds like there's actually been a greater intake of omega-6s that has kind of thrown off this ratio, so we need to start increasing the omega-3 intake. Yes, absolutely, just to balance this omega-6 intake. And you mentioned food processing. Does that impact omega-3 in the food at all? It definitely can. So 
For example, a really good source of omega-3s, as we've said multiple times, is flaxseed. So you can purchase flaxseed oil or canola oil is also a good source of plant-based omega-3s. But say you're using these oils to fry food, there's a huge risk of damaging the omega-3s in the food and therefore decreasing the omega-3 content and potential benefits. So would that be frying at certain temperatures or any temperatures? Is there a difference in terms of kind of destroying some of that omega-3? So the biggest risk for this comes with frying foods at really, really high temperatures, like deep frying level temperatures. Okay. So not your average stir fry. No, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So Jesse, you gave us a lot of really great information today. If you had to give a few take-home tips to families who are listening, what would they be? So I think number one would be to take a step back and take a look at your diet and see if you are getting these sources of omega-3s that we talked about today. Uh, And based on that, maybe trying to incorporate different types of omega-3s into your diet from seafood or some of the plant sources that we talked about. My second take-home tip would be when trying to get kids to get omega-3s in their diet, specifically from seafood sources, is keep trying to introduce them to some of these sources. They could be like me, and maybe eventually we'll come to accept them and even really enjoy them. Thanks, Jesse. Those were two really great take-home messages and tips. It's been a pleasure having you on Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Healthy Habits and Happy Homes. We can't wait to have you tune in with us next week. But in the meantime, if you'd like to connect, you can visit our website, www.guelphfamilyhealthstudy.com or visit us on Facebook at Guelph Family Health Study. Thanks and have a great week.